Welcome to Present Truth Broadcast with Pastor Maxwell Ogaga. Brought to you by Present Truth Ministry, a teaching ministry where believers are trained to be established in the truth of God's Word. For more information and free downloads, please visit www.pastormax.ng. Thank you because I'm anointed to teach your word. Thank you because your people are anointed to receive, to learn, and together our faith is built up in the revelation of the person of Jesus. I pray that this morning you teach us from your word, we'll be instructed, we'll be guided, we'll be directed, and our lives will be better for it. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. Alright, this morning, very, uh, very briefly, I, I feel to share with you something that I, be, I believe that the Lord wants us to learn and to to adjust our life to, as God begins to deal with us in, in bringing forth His purposes on the earth. And it's important for us to understand that Christianity is essentially not just about us, not, not just about what we can get from God, and that God has a greater purpose. God has a greater purpose. For humanity, that God also has an agenda for the human race, that they will come to the knowledge of the gospel and the light of his word. I want to look at following God's plan for your life. Following God's plan for your life. When a, when a person becomes a Christian, when you become a child of God, one of the most important lessons you must begin to learn is that your life is no longer your own. That your life is no longer your own. That it belongs to God. And in, in that sense, we do not have to live independent of God. You see, somehow, the way we have a concept of God is we can live the way we want, we can do what we want, and then we just ask God to bless our plan. So, what we have in our head is the God who just blesses our plan. So, I want to do this. Oh, God, please bless me. I want to marry this. Oh, God, please bless me. I want to do this. Oh, God, please bless me. And most times, we don't sit back, go back, and begin to ask, does God really have a plan for my life? Now, I know that the church is big on the message of purpose, that God's got a purpose for your life. But I'm deliberate this morning. I'm not talking about God's purpose for your life. I'm talking about what? God's plans. Because it's possible to know your purpose and you generate your own plan for the actualization of that purpose. Do, do, do you understand what I'm saying? So, for instance, you've got three children in the house. And you, you, come, you call your child, your first son, John. And the, the, the child just shows up. And then starts washing the plates. And that's what you want the child to do. Right? You've called the child. The child has responded. The child is obedient. But the child is obedient in the wrong thing. The child is obedient in the wrong thing. And the child might be washing the dishes so hard. But that's not what you want the child to do. That's not your plan for the child. Did the child respond to purpose? Yes, you called. The child answered. Is he executing your plan? No. God is not difficult to please if we would listen to Him. You know, sometimes people say, I'm trying hard. I want to know the will of God. I want to know the will of God. I just tell people, listen, the will of God for you this day is to just do what you have to do and do it faithfully. If you do that, you will find yourself in the perfect will of God. Are you following what I'm saying? You find yourself in the perfect will of God. I'm never concerned about what God wants me to do in the next 10 years. Why? It's not 10 years yet. What does God want me to do? What is God's will for me? Is to show up this morning prepared to teach his people. What's God's will for me after we close to go home and spend time with my family? What's God's will for me after that to come back for healing school? What's God's will for me to sleep, to read Bible, to fellowship with him? And as I do that every day, there's something called the directing of my paths. He directs my paths into his will. Are you following what I'm saying? Everybody who 
if you ask people who got married, you will find out that most people who actually married in the will of God for their lives were not actively praying to be married in God's will. Yeah, they were just doing their stuff and they saw this person and he showed up and they showed up and they showed up and they showed up. But once you begin to have that, oh God, I want to separate myself for seven days and just hear what God has to say to me. You're going to see all kinds of dreams. I was in, walking in the rain. I saw an umbrella. You showed up in an umbrella and said, why not? Will I not cover you? And the Lord just said, they that covered you, they are your wife. And it's just get kinds of illusions. You've never heard God's voice in your life any day. The only time you heard is who to marry. You have heard wrongly. How do you know it's God's voice? How do you know it's not your ambition? Is it, let me explain something to you. We've been, we've been taught that the will of God is difficult. So for some of us, we feel that the will of God means God will make us to be pastors when we don't want to be pastors. And so unconsciously, we are really scared of God's will. But the scripture says it is him who wills in you both to will and to do of his good pleasure. God is not a wicked God. If we allow ourselves to his will, we will find out that his will is far better than whatever we ever designed for our lives. Praise the name of the Lord. So we're looking at following God's plan for your life. Go with me to Psalms chapter 33. We're going to read three, two verses. Psalm 33. Well, this is not to say God cannot say to you, this is who you are to marry. I mean, that's not... God can't speak to you. But for some of us that are not very spiritual, we have to go by the way of our brains. And our <laughs> I remember when I wanted to get married to my wife, she, she asked me that, have you prayed about it? I said, no, I've not prayed, but you can pray. Praise the name of the Lord. Psalm 33, verse 10. And I want you to pay attention to this. Psalm 33, verse 10. I want you to pay attention to this. This is important. The Lord brings the counsel of the nations to nothing. I want you to write the word counsel of the nations. Number two, he makes the plans of the peoples of no effect. So we find two things in that verse. The first one is the counsel of the nations. Number two, we find out what? The plans of the people. Two things there. The next verse, verse 11. The counsel of the Lord stands forever. The plans of his heart to all generations. So in that two verses, we find four things. What are the four things that stand out to us in those two verses? Number one, the, the counsel of what? Of the nations. Number two, the plans of what? Of the people. Number three, the counsel of God. And number four, the plans of his heart, which is God's heart. So you find four things there. You find the counsel of the nations. You find the plans of the people. You find the counsel of God. And you find the plans of the heart of God. What's the counsel of the nations? It's, it's possible for you to live your life by what the whole nation thinks is the way you should live. I, I, are you following what I'm saying? It's like saying... This is what everybody says we should do. Let me give you an example in ministry. It's easy. You know, everybody feels that for you to actually run ministry effectively, you have to be prophetic. That's the counsel of the nations in ministry. And so even people who don't see anything want to see. Yeah. Why? That's the, that's, that's the counsel of the generality of the people. And some of us can build our lives on that. That's what everybody in the company is doing. This is what everybody in ministry is doing. This is how it is done. And unconsciously, we build our life based on the counsel of the nations. You see, the most difficult thing in your life will be to embrace the will of God when it's not what everybody is doing. That's the most difficult thing. That's the most difficult thing. And that's how a lot of doctrines began to spread into the church. Because it looks like, oh, that's what everybody's doing. That's how everybody's doing it. That's how everybody's doing it. I remember I was somewhere, and, and uh, uh, someone finished sharing a testimony. And, uh, and, and then uh, the, the minister came up and said, 
we have to seal this testimony with an offering. And I'm asking myself, seal it how? Is it that now if we don't seal the offering, then everything God has done for this person is reversed? Or how essentially do we seal it? Or you hear someone say, for instance, if you don't share your testimony, then God can take it away from you. I'm like, but Jesus told some people, don't share your testimony. Then somebody say, well, but the Bible says they overcame him with the blood of the Lamb and the word of their testimony. That was not testimony in church. Those guys died. It wasn't that he came to church and said, praise the Lord, you know, I was traveling. Those guys, those were martyrs who died for the faith. If you want to share that kind of testimony, you should be dead. You should go to Medugri. That's when we know that you're overcoming And unconsciously we buy this stereotype. And even in our own lives, that's like a program for every one of us. You finish this, you do this, you do that, you do this, you do this. That's the counsel of the nations. And the plans of the people. But then there's something in your life called the counsel of the Lord. There is the counsel of the Lord for you. There is the plan of His heart for you. There's something God wants you to achieve. Not just your purpose, but how you go about executing your purpose. Praise the name of the Lord. In Proverbs chapter 19 and verse 21. Let's go to Proverbs 19 verse 21. So note those two things. Note those four things. Counsel of the nations, plans of the people, counsel of the Lord, the plans of his heart. Proverbs 19, 21. As, as good you know, it's good to plan. As good as you can plan, be flexible for the interference of the Lord. Psalm, Proverbs 19 verse 21. What does it say? There are many plans in a man's heart. Remember, in Psalms, it talks about the plans in his heart. Right? So, that's a plan in his heart. There are many plans in the man's heart. Nevertheless, the Lord's counsel will stand. The word stand in the Hebrew means to be fixed, to be valid, proven. It's the Lord's counsel that is proven. It means to be set, to come to sin. It's the Lord's counsel that will come to sin, that will come to play. God does not just have a purpose for your life. He has specific plans for you. There's where you need to be at a time. You know, sometimes I, I'm, I'm talking with believers and it's like they've all got their lives fixed. I'm going to do this, I'll do this, I'll do that. And after 10 years, I'm going to do this. And after 20 years, I'm like, wow, you are so brilliant. You've got 20 years fixed already. How intelligent are you? Should we have plans? Yes. But God has plans. The wisest thing for you to do is to find out his plans and walk in it. Are you following what I'm saying? We have been big on purpose, but very little on the plans of God. I want to actually this morning the life of Paul. The life of Paul. Just look, look at a few things in the life of Paul. Paul had a specific purpose... To become an apostle to the Gentiles. But Paul was zealous for the wrong thing. Let's go to Philippians chapter 3 verse 6. See, see the life of Paul. Philippians 3 6. And I'll show you something from there. Philippians chapter 3 and verse 6. Consigning zeal, consigning zeal, persecuting the church, consigning the righteousness which is in the law blameless. It says consigning zeal, I was persecuting the church. And you know the funny thing about Paul, then he was Saul, was that when he was doing this, he thought he was pleasing the Lord. And that's something we must all be careful of. Doing things with our lives and in our mind, we feel like, whoa, this is what God wants me to do. 
We are so zealous sometimes in the wrong things. And it takes fellowship with God because, because at the human level, we interpret life by success. But at the God level, God interprets life by faithfulness. So for instance, if, 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 if I'm pastor in this church, right? Like maybe God doesn't want me here. God wants me here now. <laughs> but let's say God doesn't want me here and I'm pastor in this church, right? And the place is growing. And the place is full. You will never know that I'm outside of the will of God. I can't tell if you, you see, I can't tell if you're not in God's will by how successful you are. It's, it's, it's tough. The only reason I can tell if you're in God's will is if you're faithful. Because I'll tell you something, I'm going to show you today. The will of God doesn't actually mean that everything goes well for you. Sometimes God's plans means that you'll go through tough times. Because we always interpret Christianity by what you have and what you don't have, how far you go, how far you don't go. And sometimes when things even go a little tough for those who are believing God, we're quick to point out what did this person do wrong. And it's a challenge. And that's why even in, in, the, in the Christian world, when we go through challenges, it's difficult for us to share with one another because we all have this image that everything is fine with us. You know why? Because we always feel disappointed when things go wrong with, for us because we've always been thought that if you're a man of faith, everything has to be okay. And so he said, I was persecuting the saints, but I had zeal. This guy was supervising deaths. Like when he wanted to kill Stephen. He had checks. Yeah, stone him. Good. And in those days, they weren't killing with like guns or poison. They'll just kill you and then you're gone. They will stone you and stone you and stone you and stone you and stone you. And according to Bible history, they had this big stone, which was the last one, to make sure that he sealed the death. So, you know, in those days when people were dying, it was not a sweet death. It was painful. And here was Saul supervising the death of Stephen. It's like, well, good stoning. Mm, that's very good stoning. That's perfect stoning. And you know what? If you were to meet him and say, what are you doing? He'd say, hey, I'm serving God. I'm in God's will. <laughs> it took an encounter for Saul to realize he was doing the wrong thing. For some of us, we will need those God encounters. To just tell us that, hey guy, that's not the part I meant for you. This is where you should be. And look at this. But God had a greater purpose and a greater plan for Paul. In Ephesians chapter 1 and verse 1. Interesting. Ephesians chapter 1 and verse 1. Ephesians 1 1. Look at what Paul says about himself. Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ by the will of God. I love that introduction. Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ by the will of God. 1 Corinthians chapter 1 and verse 1. I love the way Paul introduced himself all through the epistles. 1 Corinthians 1.1. 1, 1. Paul, Called to be an apostle of Jesus Christ through the will of God. We cannot be apostles by our own will. I've got colleagues who change titles every four years. They start out at evangelist because it looks like that's the lowest of the titles. And after four years, after elections... They become pastors. And after pastors, nobody has a teacher. He's not really, you can't say, what's you? I'm teacher, I'm actually, <laughs> pastor. And after pastor, they become apostles. And after apostles, they become prophets. That's the, that's the pinnacle. The prophet, major one in front. And after that, they become bishops. And after bishop, they become archbishop. 
And after becoming archbishop, they started up schools of bishops. The word bishop means an overseer. It's not different from the word pastor. A bit of education can help. It's not different. In fact, Paul told Timothy to ordain bishops. Paul told Timothy, who was a pastor, to ordain bishops in every city. You cannot be an apostle by the will of your church. It doesn't matter how zealous you are, your church cannot call you into ministry. If God hasn't called you, stay put. You are doing the body of Christ more harm than for being a pastor when the Lord has not set you in that office. It is not a promotion to be a pastor. It's a calling by God through Christ. You don't feel like, I'm going to serve God. And after I'm doing everything, then I will not start serving God. You have your priorities wrong. Are you following what I'm saying? Because your zeal can be mis- misinterpreted to be a calling. A calling can only be a calling. Zeal is not equal to calling. If you ask any genuine person who is called of God, they will tell you that if they had a choice... They will do something else with their lives. Ask any pastor. Because, I mean, preaching on a Sunday morning for 45 minutes is 10% of the job. Are you following what I'm saying? And this is important because somehow, people are going to force their plans into your life. The council of the nations. At this stage of your life, this is what you should be doing. Event managers. At this stage of your life, you should be here. If you want your future to be secure, follow these routes. And the man who is giving you guarantee for the future doesn't even know what tomorrow is going to bring. Following God's plan for your life. You have to be convinced about what God wants you to do. I've said it many times, even though my dad is a pastor. Being the first child, I knew that the Lord wanted me to go into ministry full time. Left youth service and told him, this is what I feel the Lord wants me to do. My dad says, you will not be a full time minister. I know you are called, but you have to work. And I was, I mean, it was because of, there was no money, really. I'm sure if he had the money, he wouldn't say that. But I knew that was what God wanted me to do. So I just gave him the options. I feel this is what God wants me to do. If you want me to work with you, fine. But... He said, I should go and work. I'll work with another ministry. And he said, oh, no, no, then come. I'm not here because my father is a pastor of the church. Absolutely not. You have to be sure of God's path for your own life. Because people's good intentions can lead you out of God's will for your life. They mean well for you. They don't, I mean, they mean well. People can counsel you out of God's plans. With all your intelligence. Ah, you shouldn't be in that village. Come to Abuja. And your life will be better. What do they define by better? What you drive, what you eat, what you wear. Following God's plan for your life. He had an encounter with Christ. And God unveiled His purpose. God unveiled the plan with him. It is only as we cultivate our relationships with God that we can only know God's plan for our life. This thing comes from fellowship, we say. Comes from union with Christ. I said again and I repeat again for the sake of emphasis, in Christianity we do not define things by success. We define them by what? Faithfulness. How many of you know Jesus Christ going to the cross? To the cross, where I said cross, cross, <laughs> was not successful in the eyes of men. Do you understand? Imagine going to meet Mary the mother and say, you know what? Uh, this is the plan. I'm going to live for 30 years. I'll do carpentry work, support you. Three and a half years, I'm going to preach around Jer- Jerusalem, Galilee, Campanion, and all of Judah. And then three and a half years, I'm going to go to the cross 
and then I'll die and I'll be raised up again. Does that look like a good plan? The scripture says, if the princes of this world had known, they would not have crucified the king of glory. It was in the foolishness of that plan that God unveiled his wisdom. Sometimes it is in the foolishness of your decision within the context of God's will that God is able to reveal to the whole earth that he is an all-wise God. Are you following this? Sometimes if you look back at your life, you, re- you discover that the greatest interventions and miracles that you've ever experienced were the times you took the path you felt God was leading you and almost everybody was against it and there you saw the intervention of God. Until he met Christ, he couldn't see. That's why, listen... Being a believer is more than coming to church every Sunday and paying your tithe. This thing has to be a living relationship with God. God has to be talking to you. And I'm going to show you here that a prophet can get it wrong. A prophet can prophesy you out of the will of God. I remember going to a meeting six years ago. And here was this prophetic guy speaking over people and comes to me and prophesies that God wants to win me for my father. Win like, you know, go start, be on your own stuff and all that. I knew that was not God's will for my life. I've heard, I've seen people who ruin their lives because people give them prophetic words. The first thing I do when I give anybody a prophetic word, I tell them, listen, you've got to confirm this with what's in your heart. There are people in ministry today that people prophesied into ministry when God wasn't calling them. You know, there's a way you can dress, right? Like my prophesying over, I prophesied Dami. I was like, Dami, no, no, this guy is not, not dressed like a pastor. And I see that guy on suit. Say, Behold. <laughs> yeah. You know, appearance can deceive people. There's a way you can sit down. I just say, ah, I see trouble around you. You can just sit like this. And you look troubled. And I see a guy with a star shirt, good palm, nice wristwatch. Say, the Lord is raising you up as a financier, as a pillar to the church of the living God. And that guy might be owing the bank some crazy billions. And then you know because he's owing the bank and he believes that he now says, oh yes sir. Yes, and you think that prophecy was confirmed. No, the guy was just asking for mercy. God, please let this happen so I can pay my debts. Can the Lord guide us through prophecy? He only confirms what he has told you. In the New Testament, we're never led by prophets. I mean, never. We are only guided by the inner witness. And when a prophet says something, that's to agree with what's in our heart. It's as many as are led by the Spirit of God that are the sons of God. So you have this massive encounter with Christ. And God began to reveal himself. Let's, let's explore this. Go to Acts chapter 9, verse 13. Don't be successful in the wrong thing. Please. At the end of your life, God is not going to judge you by your own plans. He will judge you by what? Come on, talk to me. He will judge you by what? The plans of his heart. Have you, have you ever heard this thing? When we were in school, it was very common. I don't know if they do it now because students don't fail anymore in schools. You know what is OP? What's OP? Out of point. Have you ever written an exam so... You realize that. You just wrote the exam, wrote, ask for extra cheat. Give me two. <laughs> and then you finish. Then when you now come out and you are discussing the question, you now realize that you didn't even understand the question in the first place. <laughs> Has it happened to <laughs> It happened to me once. Have it happened to you? And you were zealous. Collected two extra cheese. Just writing, 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 writing. They say, take it. They say, no, leave me. And you're just writing. And then you just come out. And guys are like, how did you deal with this question? You now realize that the four sheets of paper you wrote is zero. That's why you now start seeing believers quote scripture. It's not of him that will it. But the Lord that showed mercy. The battle is not mine. It's the Lord's. Oh, the battle is not yours. You will repeat that class. So it's, it's important that before you start answering the question, you, you, you understand 
the question. Before you start living your life, make sure you understand what God wants for you. It will solve a lot of problems. Are you following what I'm saying? It will solve a lot of problems. When we're going into full-time ministry, myself and my wife, we sat down and we made a very conscious decision. Listen, God has called us to preach the gospel. Let us keep our ambitions very low. There's nowhere we want to have a house. There's no, uh, we must have one in Abuja. We must have one in Dubai. We I don't have that goal. I must, there's nothing I must be. I'll only show up and teach as the Lord gives me opportunity. It keeps me from pressure. Are you following what I'm saying? I'm not desiring to be the richest man in this church. That's not my goal. It's not part of my calling. What's my calling? To faithfully teach God's people what I found in His Word. Whatever God brings alongside with that, I'm fine with it. Why? Because within the context of God's purpose for my life, this will keep my mind sane. Are you following what I'm saying? How is God going to judge me by my faithfulness to this assignment? Let's go to Acts chapter 9 verse 13. Then Ananias answered. This was when God was speaking to Ananias to go pray for Paul. I want you to observe this carefully. Please pay very close attention because there's a bit of difference. Then Ananias answered, Lord, I've heard from many people about this man. Talking about Saul. How much harm he has done to your saints in Jerusalem. See how? Now, now I want you to observe something. You see, Ananias describing Saul says, look at how much harm this man has done to the church. But when you talk to Saul, what will he say? He was doing God's will. Do, do you realize what I'm saying? <laughs> you know what I'm saying? He said, ah, well, he said no. We are, because to them, the people preaching that Jesus Christ was the Messiah were, 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 were almost against Judaism. So he was actually collecting letters from the synagogue leaders to go kill these guys. Then look at what he says. And here he has authority from the chief priest to bind all who call on your name. So he was working for God, in quote. But the Lord said to him, this was the Lord speaking to Ananias. I want you to observe this, this vision, what is put on quote here, and what God said to Paul later. But follow this. Go, for he is a chosen vessel of mine to bear my name before three classes of people. Number one, the Gentiles. Number two, kings. Number three, and the children of Israel. I want you to look at the priority of, of the plan. Now, this is very important. This is very, very important. There was a priority here. What was Paul's priority in his calling to ministry based on the plan of God? His first priority was to the Gentiles. That's why you always hear Paul talks about the dispensation of grace given to him for the Gentiles. Number two was what? Kings. And then number three was what? The children of Israel. That's why he always talked about his passion for the children of Israel. Because according to the plan of God for, for his life, the children of Israel, that is the Jews, were taught in priority. So if Paul had an option to go to the Gentiles and to go to the Jews, based on God's plan for his life, he's got to go to the Gentiles. Specific. Now somebody else might have this same calling but different arrangements. Peter, for instance, was specifically called to the Jews. So it would be wrong, listen carefully to me, it would be wrong for Peter and Paul to be comparing ministry notes and say, hey, come on, you know, I preached to 10,000 Jews and you've just preached to 20. Pray for God to give you an open door to the Jews. An open door to the Jews would be a wrong priority on Paul's life. We must learn to stick with the plan. Are you following what I'm saying? We must learn to stick with the plan. And it's important because people might make it if you are not reaching the Jews, you are not doing God's work. No. There's a plan for Paul. Gentiles first, kings followed, and then 
The children of Israel. For I will show him. Look at part of the plan. Look at part of the plan. This is where I want to go. For I will show him how many things he must suffer for my name's sake. Come on. That verse is part of the plan. I said this verse is part of the plan. How many things? Many things he will do what? Enjoy. He will do what? For what? Is it part of the plan? Okay. It doesn't look good. But it's part of the plan. Yeah. God's will does not mean everything is going to be alright. You can be at the center of God's will and be going through the darkest moments of your life. You know, most of us feel when we find purpose, everything will be alright. No. Doesn't mean so. So, you know, realistically, we can't judge people from what they are going through. But I'll show you a caveat there. I'll show you a cause there. God said this to Ananias. But this, in, when God was now speaking to Paul, he gave him a bit more details. That details is when you know if you're following God's plan for your life. Let's go to Acts 20. Acts 26. We'll come back. We'll do a couple. Wow. Time is gone. Acts 26. Are there people in this church that make this time run very fast? Like, it's technological people. I look up and it's 20 minutes gone. I'm like, what? So we'll just go faster, go faster. Once pastor look at the time, he will wrap up. <laughs> Acts 26. Are you there? Please follow this. This is, the, this is the base of the message. This is the base of the message. I'm going somewhere. Listen to me carefully. God will not reveal to people more than he has revealed to you. No matter how accurate a prophet is, there are details that are meant for only you. Only you know. David said in Psalm 139, he says, This my soul knows so well. My substance was not hid from thee. When all the days of my life were fashioned in your book. Christ said, in the volume of the book is written of me to do thy will. There are things that only you have access to. Look at that same vision. Go to go with me guys. Acts 26. Verse 15. So I said, who are you Lord? This was when God knocked him out of the horse. And he said, I am Jesus whom you are persecuting. Pass. Like us to pass there. Because today there is so much attack against the church. Including by Christians. Sometimes I'm ashamed of what believers write about the church on Facebook. You'll never find a Muslim do that. Oh, the church of the living God. Oh, the church. We need the church. We need the true church. You be the true church. People keep writing. Whatever you do against the church, you're not doing against the church. You're doing against Christ. Paul wasn't killing Christ. He was killing Christians. And you know what Jesus said? He said, you're persecuting me. We must be careful how we handle the church of Christ. Because what we've done is we've moved our civil rights, you know, our Luther spirits into the church. We fight against everything. You know, as a church, this is what we should be doing. You go start. Halls are free. Go start. Let all of us copy you since you know everything. Are there things in church we're doing that are not right? <laughs> of course. But the best way to speak against something is to build the right model. Oh, in this church, ah, there's no love. Do you have love? Yes, I have. Well, give us some. Maybe since we don't have love, that's why God brought you here. I can't stay in this church because there's no love. Do you have some love? Yes. <laughs> then stay here and give us some of your love. Because what you call love is because we're not listening to you. Okay. But rise and stand on your feet. For I have appeared to you for this purpose. To make you a minister. And a witness. Both of the things which you have seen and of the things which I will yet reveal to you. Verse 17. 
I will deliver you from the Jewish people. Can you remember God said to Ananias, he would minister to the Jews. But God did not tell Ananias, I will deliver him. He just told Ananias, you will, this guy is going to preach to these people, he will suffer. But yes, God was now giving Paul specific. I will deliver you from the Jewish people, as well as from the Gentiles to whom I now send you. So Paul had the assurance that, fact, God was sending me to them, but God was going to deliver me from them. That's why Paul could now go through the things he will suffer, knowing that God has assured him that you will be delivered. Can, can you, do you follow it now? To open their eyes in order to turn them from darkness to light and from the power of Satan to God, that they may receive forgiveness of sins and inheritance among those who are sanctified by faith in me. Therefore, King Agrippa, I was not disobedient to the heavenly vision. You can either be obedient to God's heavenly vision for your life or disobedient. There are no neutral grounds. It's either you're obeying God or not. It's either you're in the will of God or not. I'm going to, I'm going to spend time to teach that. There's nothing like the three wills of God. People say, you know, I'm, I'm not in the perfect will of God. What do they teach now? Permissive will of God. Perfect will of God. It's something, they just teach all the kind of stuff. God has one will. He's not confused. It's either you're in the center of God's will or you're not. Because then the scripture talks about that which is well acceptable and pleasing unto the Lord. Those three words were describing the one will of God. I'm not in the perfect will of God now. But I know before the end of my life, I will enter. And you are saying it with boldness, that you are not in God's will. I mean, you talk to people who are called to ministry. And you're like, you know, uh, I don't want to live on people's tithe and offering. I want to just work for some time. I will just gather something. I will now make sure the children are settled. Then I will now start ministry. It's pride. Why would you live on tithe and offering? God has said, live on tithe and offering. You say, no, you won't live on tithe and offering. <laughs> no, I, I mean, as I'm preaching to you now, what should I live by? <laughs> don't reduce your giving. I don't take church money. <laughs> <laughs> but you know, it can be pride in disguise. You want to save up for your children. Something that one sickness can wipe away and you will need more. Do you think you have your life as sorted as that? And I don't want people to now look at like an, an able-bodied man not to be walking. So what I'm doing now is what? I'm playing. Oh, because I'm unemployed. You see, you know, pride can disguise itself as wisdom. God will be asking you to do something. You will give God all the excuses. With all these first boys, everybody starting church. I don't want to start church. And God is asking you to start a local church. You are saying boys are starting church. It takes humility to accept God's plan. Because sometimes the plan is against your own plan for your life. Are you following what I'm saying? That's why we don't have missionaries anymore in churches. No, that's the reason. It's the simple reason why there are no missionaries. Everybody must start a church in Abuja, close to the senators. Because God is positioning the church for global takeover. At the senate chambers. For prophetic activation and declaration and empowerment. To take over. And yet there are villagers close by. Who fly above them to go and take over. Because it's a coup. Another reason is because we don't want to appear like we're in need. We don't want to appear less than people's estimation of our eye. You see, I'll say this quickly. I'll say this quickly. David, listen carefully to this. And this I'm, I know this is going to help someone. David and Saul, this is, this is, don't count it as part of my time. This is free, 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 free offer. David, bonus, thank you. David and Saul, David committed more sins than Saul. If you study the Bible. If the guy committed terrible sins. Do you know what means to sleep with somebody's wife and kill the guy? I mean, that's terrible. But why did God say David is a man after my own heart? It was very simple. 
David would fall into the hands of God and ask for mercy. He always wanted to please God, even though he made mistakes. You know the problem of Saul was one thing. He says, honor me before these people. That's the one thing that made God to reject Saul. In your own life, if you seek to make men honor you, and you refuse to follow God's plan because you feel your colleagues will not honor you, then God replaces you in that which you want to do. Once you begin to put the honor of men over the honor of God, then we have a problem. And that's where we came to be where we are in church. When a minister will look at the congregation and see a wealthy person and withhold the truth. Because he feels that if we release this truth, then we won't have enough offerings. And then God declares Ichabod over the whole institution. And in your own life, you must make sure you are following God's plan for your life. I remember telling my wife when we got married, I know some people might find this controversial, but that's it. See, what is your, what is your priority? Is it ministry first, family and children or children? Fam- I say, listen, listen, listen. If it is not the call to ministry, you won't find me to marry. God is at the center of our life. Ministry is important to me. You are important to me. The children are important to me. You must allow me to do ministry with all my energy. Because if I don't do ministry, you will not be happy. Do I neglect my family? No. But my family also knows that this guy loves ministry with his heart. I don't exchange it. I don't apologize for it. Because then we can listen to people and walk out of God's plan for our life. Because whatever is not beneficial to people, they will cancel you away from it. If you're not doing something that will benefit them, they'll tell you, yeah, no, you have to understand. You know, some people's counsel are for their benefits. Because they'll gain from it. When you make certain choices, it profits them. Well, let's go back to the Bible. But declared first, verse 20, to those in Damascus and in Jerusalem and throughout all the region of Judah, and then to the Gentiles, that they should repent, turn to God, and do good works befitting repentance. Verse 21, look at this. For these reasons, the Jews seized me in the temple and tried to kill me. I like that. Therefore, having obtained help from God to this day, I stand. That's a powerful testimony. Look at the next line. Witnessing both so small and great. Saying no other things than those which the prophet and Moses said would, would count. He says, the Jews tried to kill me, but having obtained help from God, I'm still standing. That's what it means to follow God's plan. That even when there's an attempt on your life to take you out, you'll be the last man standing. That's what it means to follow God's plan. The plan might not be easy. God wants you in that office and everybody in the company wants you out. At the end of the day, you'll still be standing because that's what God wants for your life. That's why we don't pray for people to die. It's irrelevant because God can keep us alive in the midst of hell. We don't pray for Herod to die. Why believe that? What's my business with Herod? All my enemies die. I don't care about them. I care about fulfilling God's plan because if a man's way pleases the Lord, he makes even his enemies to be at peace with him. He causes everything to work together for my good. I don't care about what enemies I have. That's your problem with God. I'm on God's assignment that governs me. I just want to be faithful to my father. That's why on the last day, only two words you will hear. Well done. Thou good and faithful servant. Everything else is not counted for. You realize that? You realize, you realize everything you have right now is not counted for? Including your husband? Hey, come, come on now. I said including your husband? Including your wife? Including the love of your life? Including your sugar? <laughs> You're not going to stand before God and say, God, let me introduce my sugar to you. God said, okay, come here. I'll talk to you, boy. What did you do with your life? 
you know, I know you wanted me to do this, but you know, my husband was not telling me that. You know, because <laughs> come, come, let's talk. What did you do with your life? Because now you're going to be accountable now. You've enjoyed all the romance and all the vacation. Let's talk. You know, it was because where we were staying. I was thinking that by the time we move, God said, come, come down, come, let's talk. What did you do with your life? Do you realize as you're listening to me this morning, whether you realize it or not, you're going to give account of your life? Not your children? To some of you, ah, it's my children. Everything's my children. Oh, my children. I'm not saying you should disregard family. Understand what I'm saying? Because people hear things differently. Let's go back and I say, I'm not taking care of children again. God's purpose for my life. God, don't do that. <laughs> I don't want to come and burn my church down. But <laughs> just go and meet your wife. No more food money. My purpose now is to give to pastor. Yes, you can do that. That's what you say. <laughs> but, but you realize, you realize that we cannot corporately give account of our lives. We must individually give account of our lives. And in, in as much as we walk within the context of a corporate body, KDCC will not stand before God. You will stand before God. I will not stand because before God. I, you know, I planted this church. I planted God said, hey, come on, boy. It's you and me right now, based on what I wanted you to do. Don't let, listen carefully to this, the word of the Lord to you. Don't let people frustrate you out of God's plan for your life. Regardless of the frustration you get, hold your thoughts. Stand there. God will deliver you from their hands. Even when people try to kill you. Within the context of God's will for your life, you can never die. I assure you that. You can never die. If you're in the center of God's will for your life, you will never die. He will keep you. He will preserve His assignment in your heart that you carry. In Acts chapter 21, you can close there and shoot us. We need people who will hold their forth. He was John Livingstone. When he came to Africa, he asked him, Where are you going? He says, I'll go anywhere for the gospel, provided it be forward. Let's keep moving. Let's keep pushing it. Let's push the boundaries. Let's push the frontiers. Let's wrap up this thing. Let's be bold about the will of God. Acts 21, verse 11. I'll just read that. Am I right? Yeah, Acts 21, verse 11. I should read that to you quickly. Let's read from verse 10 quickly, but quickly, guys. And as we stayed many days, a certain prophet Agabus came down from Judea. When he had come to us, he took Paul's belt, bound his own hands and feet. He said, Thus says the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit. So shall the Jews at Jerusalem bound the man who owns his belt and deliver him into the hands of the Gentiles. How many of you realize that, Paul, that Agabus was not telling Paul what God had not already told him? This prophecy was in confirmation to what God had already told Paul. Are we right? So a prophet would only do what? Confirm what God has told you. Now look at it. Now when he heard these things, Paul, both we and those who, those from that place pleaded with him not to go up to Jerusalem. Now, this is the council of the nations now. Right? Come on now. Right, come, let's, let's just hang on there. Are you following me? Follow me now. Yeah. A prophet comes and gives a prophetic word. Very accurate. Say, hey, if you go to Jerusalem, they're going to tie you. Ah, that's when you say, oh, daddy, go deeper, daddy. Thank you, daddy, for delivering me from that. You know what? Your wife will just hold you. Jerusalem, no more. They're not going. And everybody were pleading with him. The whole church. Apostle, don't go. Ah, God's servant, don't go. Daddy. <laughs> Our father, don't go. But this is where you've got to be sure of what God wants for you. Look at it. Then Paul answered, What do you mean by weeping and breaking my heart? So when Paul says, What do you mean by weeping and breaking my heart? It means they wept so much that his heart was broken. You know, they are people that can just cry. They will never cry when good things happen. When they hear things like this, they will just start crying. Until you have to now call them and explain and say, listen, the thing you are crying for is not as bad as the tears. You, you reduce the tears so you can understand. 
This boy is just crying. For some, oh, Paul is going to die. I mean, all kinds of fears. But Paul says, this is very, very, very instructive. Paul says, for I am ready not only to be bound, but also to die at Jerusalem for the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. So when he would not be persuaded, we seized, saying, the will of the Lord be done. If I ask you this morning, do you have a conviction as strong as this? Are you convinced that what you're doing right now is what God wants you to do? If the whole church were to come and talk to you, would they talk you out of the will of God? We bless God for godly counsel. But you must not be counseled out of God's plan for your life. Are you following what I'm saying? Come on, I said, are you following what I'm saying? You've got to find it. I can't, I mean, I have sat with, I'm not saying because I, I'm going to spend time to teach that. It's good for a minister to work and all that. I mean, there's nothing wrong with that. Some can work. I, I don't have that calling. I have to do what I do full time. I've sat with senior ministers of the gospel. Finish preaching and teaching. Powerful senior men that I look at and this is guy. And they sit me down and say, you see, Max, you have to do this. You have to do that. You have to do this investment. You have to do this. You have to do like, Boss, thank you for everything. But it's a no-no. It's a no-no. I can't tell you how living on the edge of faith if I share miracles of provision for you, you'll be amazed at how specific God can meet your needs. A life we will never know if we didn't take God at His word. I shared with a few of my friends yesterday. We got a text message from two young people. And one of them said, Thank you so much. I'm now a graduate because of you. That one, we took up. I took up that one. And another lady from the same family sent the same text message to my wife because two of them were going to school on our own account. I can't tell you the flow of preservation when we are faced with death and God had picked us out by His mercy. Saints, in the will of God, you are most assured. One of the words I want you to leave this service with this morning is that you stay faithful to the assignment that God has called on your life. I'll give you an example. You can decide to just be home and take care of your kids. You feel that's what God wants you to do. And everybody will hit you. You have to be a career person. You have to do this. And the Lord also would have called you to Get a career and rise up. You need to sit at home. You need to sit at home. The one that is sitting at home, you say should go out. The one that has gone out should sit at home. Where should they stay? You know that people are confused. What I want you to do, what I want you to do this morning is to be sure that you are the center of God's plan for your life. So that when those counsels are coming, you are able to say, Listen, it doesn't matter what I go through in this experience. Even in the midst of our deprivation, I'll stand because the Lord will keep us. Let's be on our feet. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Father. Let's just pray a prayer of consecration this morning. Let's say, Lord, let's, let's take a few minutes, saints. Let's just take a few minutes and pray a prayer of consecration and say, Lord, we just reconsecrate our lives to you this morning. Thank you, Lord Jesus. I Let's just sing all to Jesus. I surrender unto him. I freely give. Thank you for listening to Present Truth Broadcast with Pastor Maxwell Ogaga. For more information and free downloads, please visit www.pastormax.ng. We would also like to hear from you. Send us an email, info at pastormax.ng or call 0805. 
888-7575. God bless you.